The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Valerie Jones. And I'm your advocate, Laura Sinclair. Yes, every two weeks we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. I would like to do Stephanie Sabatini and Molly Carter. They will discuss and talk about the process of um, intakes. So uh, let's welcome uh, Stephanie and Molly. Before we jump in, let's check out Disability in the News. From WFXR and WRIC in Virginia, Beginning December 28, 2020, CVS Health partnered with the Virginia Department of Health and began administering COVID-19 vaccines to residents and staff at long-term care facilities, such as nursing homes and assisted living facilities that have been affected by COVID-19. CVS plans to administer the vaccine at 847 skilled nursing and assisted living facilities across the state. CVS has said that teams will make three visits to each long-term care facility to ensure that residents and staff receive their initial shot and critical booster. The company expects that the majority of residents and staff will be fully vaccinated three to four weeks after the first visit, depending on which vaccine they receive. CVS Health expects to complete its long-term care facility vaccination efforts in approximately 12 weeks. Good morning, Molly. Good morning, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, y'all. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, er, and especially me again, and Steph as well. We're so excited. (laughs) Great. Yeah, we are so happy to have a chance to talk to you because um, in our work, you know, we often all are kind of own in our little areas where we do our job, but we don't always all get to sit down and talk about what that looks like for each of us. So it's really cool to get a chance to talk to you, our gatekeepers and heroes who help uh, keep everything together and help us do our jobs. Um, Today, we really wanna talk to you about um, what it looks like to receive contact. You guys have first contact with the folks who want help and we have a lot of questions about what that looks like for you. If you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about what you do, Um, You know, first, I think we'd like to start with maybe, could you each tell us a bit about what your job looks like? You know, what do you do from the day to day and what are the things that are really a big focus for you? My job is a lot simpler than Steph's. Um, So I am actually the um, front desk person. I'm the receptionist. So that means that um, on Monday, Wednesday and Fridays, any live calls that we get um, that come through to the office, um, I take them and then I pass them along to um, either Stephanie or um, to another advocate and we will get into that process um, later as you guys have questions. Stephanie, do you kind of want to speak to like what you do and then um, sort of like why they get passed along to you? Absolutely. So um, once, as Molly said, once she passes them to me, there is a process 
um, that the call goes through. Um, if we can help the person with their issue, it is my job to take their information, their demographics, their disability information, uh, make some notes on the issue. Then what I'll do is I'll send it over to our advocate attorney staff on a specific unit that handles that particular issue, otherwise known as subject matter experts or SMEs. The SME will then take three to five business days to review the service request or SR. And once they review it to determine what the issue is and what services we can provide, the subject matter expert or advocate attorney staff will be the one to follow up with the caller and provide them uh, the information they need um, or guidance for how we can help them. We have um, different types of levels of services we can provide. Um, we have basic information and referral, and that's given when uh, what the person is calling about falls outside of our objectives and goals for the fiscal year. Um, one example would be housing. So for example, the SME, um, if I don't catch it out the gate, the SME would provide them information and referral to housing opportunities being equal or Virginia Fair Housing. Um, we can provide short-term assistance and then we can also provide case level services. Again, it just depends on the uh, meat of the issue and the details uh, that the advocate obtains once they do the follow-up with the caller um, to determine how we can help. Um, but it is a process. And let me just note that we do, um, I think I said this, but let me just reiterate that once I submit the SR to the um, staff for review, we do ask that a caller allow three to five business days for um, the staff to follow up with them regarding their SR. Wow, so that is a lot of information that you can give to callers, <clears throat> which is awesome, because it sounds like since you all know, you know so much inside and out, you can really prepare callers about what to expect once you speak with them. Uh, so that's great, and if I called in to DLCV, I would feel really happy to speak with either or both of you because I know I'd be in good hands. Um, but before I call in, you know, I don't know as much. So if I were going to call in, you know, what is it that you um, think is helpful or important for callers to know or to have or to, you know, be aware of before they contact you so they can also um, come, you know, a little informed if possible? I was just going to say, first things first, it's important to know um, how you can request our services. There are three different types of ways. Um, the first way and the most common is to call in and our request for services by phone is always Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, if a person calls on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday and the staff on duty is not able to get back with them, they will return their call on a Tuesday even though we only take new requests for services Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Our staff work Monday through Friday to handle these cases. Um, a caller can also request our services by walking in. Um, we encourage 
walk-ins Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as that is when we have an advocate on duty to address their concerns. However, if we have a walk-in on a Tuesday, Thursday, there is also a manager on duty who would be happy to uh, talk with that person and see if we can help them as well. Um, during COVID, of course, things might look a little different. So it is helpful if someone can make an appointment or at least notify us that they'd like to drop in so that we can make the appropriate uh, COVID precautions and meet with them appropriately. A person can also, um, if they have internet access, can submit a get help request form online. And that just requires going to our website, filling out the form, clicking submit. Um, it, it will, it's the same questions that the staff would ask you in person. It's the same questions that I would ask you over the phone. Um, but it's just an easier way to request services. You can fill it out at your leisure. Once you click submit, it is submitted to me. I will review it. I will process it through our database and assign it to a subject matter expert, just as I would um, had we had a phone com conversation. So there are um, several ways that you can request our services. And, um, but what's, what's also important to know when you call us, it's important to have all the information ready. Um, for example, if someone is calling because they received a letter from Social Security that they have an overpayment and they may, they must pay such and such amount by, I don't know, December 31st, 2020. It is important to have that letter in front of them so that I can know the dates, um, I can know the time restraints, I can know exactly what's stated in the letter because the more pieces that we have and the more holes that we can fill in before it's sent to the subject matter expert, the subject matter expert can better have an idea of how we can help um, before he or she have to fill in any gaps. So any information that a caller can have regarding their specific issue when they call or when they submit uh, for help is extremely helpful in us um, getting their issue taken care of. I did just want to point out, um, and Steph, you and I have talked about this previously, if somebody does decide um, to complete their intake form online, um, please, instead of calling us just to let us know that you completed the intake form, um, either you can either call up front or complete the intake form, but sometimes if a person completes that form and then um, calls up immediately or follows up, it does get a little bit confusing on Stephanie's end, which, um, you know, like where, uh, like where the information is coming from. So if you do submit um, an intake form online, maybe give it uh, some time before calling us back, so that Stephanie, you know, can keep track of who's calling her directly and who she's getting um, the information um, from through email. So that is um, just one little mm, good information to know. So my question is. Um, do I have to uh, meet a certain uh, income requirement for DLCV to assist me? Um, no, not at all. Um, our services are free. Um, we are a nonprofit. Um, and so there's sort of 
no requirements as far as your income. However, the one requirement we do have um, as DLCB is you do have to have a diagnosis of some form of a disability. Um, but as far as like um, your income level or your situation, our services are free and we welcome um, people with all sorts of um, disabilities and afflictions. So your, in, your um, services are free and your income level is, is not an issue. One thing to follow up on that. So you were saying that you service everyone, um, but the only requirement is a disability. They need to have, the, is that correct? They need to have a disability. Correct. So if I walk in and I um, I call in and I or walk in, do y'all accept the walk-ins first of all? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. We do so Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We understand, particularly at DLCV, that not all disabilities are visible. In fact, there are you know many forms of invisible disabilities. So um, and particularly for myself, I, I am a disabled person as well. My disability is visible. However, I understand um, in this line of work that that's not the case for everyone. And so as advocates and as people who work at this nonprofit, we absolutely understand that not all um, disabilities are visible. And if you do have um, an invisible disability, um, please, you know, let us know up front. And of course, like we, you know, just because someone quote unquote doesn't look disabled, which by the way, I hate that expression, um, it doesn't mean that we um, will only take like visible diagnoses if that makes sense yes thank great you. answer molly that was perfect so what it sounds like um you try to be as accommodating as you can which you know is awesome and thank you so much because we know that you are the first people who folks interact with and the warm welcome that you give them is so important to set everything up for success um and so in in part of accommodating people who might need assistance you know what if I, what if I did need a particular accommodation to communicate like maybe if I'm deaf and I can't use normal modes of phone communication, you know what what for a lot of people is normal, but for me is not normal. What are my options if I need um, accommodations to communicate with you. Absolutely. It's always best practice to communicate your needs up front. For example, if a person comes in and they are deaf hard of hearing, we will do our best to accommodate them either by writing or um, uh, lip reading. However, if a person is deaf and is requesting in-person accommodations, we may ask that they, uh, if we can set them up with an interpreter um, at a later date and get in contact with them to fulfill their needs that way, or if it's more convenient for them to um, call us via relay or um, a service like that, or fill out the form, we'll offer those options as well. Yes, thank you very much, Steph, for bringing up interpreted calls, because we do get um, quite a few of those. Um, so a lot of times, uh, how that happens is the call will come in um, live, and I'll, you know, do my introduction, and then they'll say, you know, this is an interpreted call. So from that point on, I know, okay, um, this is a service that this person um, is using and then um, I also make a note of that any interpreted calls that we get just so you know looking back on it we can keep track of those. So Valerie had mentioned earlier um, accommodations um, in terms of like walk-ins what can someone expect as a walk-in especially if they have an invisible disability or disability that's not visible 
Um, and now we're kind of talking about, you know, maybe setting up times to speak at a later day. Uh, during COVID right now, as people are trying to be as safe as they can, uh, what is DLCV doing to make sure that clients are safe and that staff are safe and that we are able to still provide services and stay in touch, but also recognize that not everyone can leave their home. Um, people can't, you know, sit down in an office with someone the, may, the way they used to, or, you know, some people might go out, but they can't wear masks because they have a disability that prevents it. So how are we handling um, any changes of procedure due to taking safety precautions during COVID? Yes, great question. Um, so we are still taking walk-ins. Um, our policy is, um, as we mentioned, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, although, uh, however, we do have some um, rules in place just to keep um, not only ourselves safe, but the people who come through our doors. So we do ask that anybody coming through um, be wearing a mask if they can. However, we understand, um, like you said, that some people have uh, a disability where they can't wear a mask. And if that is the case, um, we will do our, they can let us know up front and we will do our best to accommodate them. As far as um, keeping everybody safe, um, I really feel like everybody in our office has done an excellent job with social distancing. And we also um, have loads of cleaning supplies and we even have a um, cleaning schedule in place where different advocates will take turns um, just disinfecting everything. Um, a couple times a day. And I know for myself, just being at the front desk, I, I try and make sure everything's as clean and organized as possible. Um, and we also, um, if someone comes in and, and they just happen to forget a mask, we do have masks on hand as well as plastic gloves if people um, feel like they need those. So we, um, we do our best uh, to accommodate right up front. Um, although I will say, um, in terms of walk-ins, we actually, um, and I think most advocates um, would also echo this uh, with me. Um, we do appreciate um, that somebody call and make an appointment. Um, we, we like that more than a walk-in just because it gives the advocate a little bit more time to prepare and to um, go over that person's needs and maybe have some context as to, you know, why that person's coming in and what we can do for them. Um, although, you know, we do love walk-ins. We, we really appreciate it when somebody calls ahead of time to make an appointment as that um, is just better for everybody involved and allows us to serve the client in the best way possible. Um, Stephanie, do you have anything to add? Yeah, so that was great, Molly. I just want to add that um, as far as um, walk-ins during COVID, as Molly said, we have masks, we have gloves. Um, some spaces have the um, face shield, protected shield. I believe the front desk has that shield. Oh, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, yeah. I don't look directly at people anymore. I look at them through a glass shield. So that's that's been something very interesting. But yes, we do have that up uh, just as a precaution um, to protect uh, our clients and also ourselves. But um, I do my best to, you know, still be a human behind the shield and, you know, look <laughs> everybody in the eye as they walk in. I feel like that's important. Um, but just because I'm looking at you through a glass shield doesn't mean I'm, you know, it's it's still the same um, level of human interaction. So I try and try and keep that as normal as possible. Um, and also, I do know that if someone is having a meeting in one of our conference room spaces, we do our best to make sure that everyone within that meeting is sitting six feet apart. Um, yes. to, to, um, to meet COVID standards. So um, we are taking precautions. However, 
we're still rolling along. We're still accepting walk-ins. We're still accepting cases. So come see us. That's good to hear. Um, so I would like to know um, if I um, if someone calls in and speak with an INR, are they able to give them legal advice? Um, to some extent, um, we are able to provide information and referral to legal aid and Virginia Lawyer Referral Service, providing legal aid, I mean, I'm sorry, providing legal advice um, strictly is kind of a touchy subject. Um, so it just depends on the issue and the subject matter, but there is some policy rules around that and it can get very, very sticky. Um, so it's important to uh, communicate the issue directly with the staff you're talking to and establish some kind of um, relationship so they know exactly what you're requesting and they can help you that way. Um, but providing straight legal advice is not something that we are able to do as an agency. Um, yes, and um, usually when I get um, calls like that, and if Stephanie is on a call with somebody else or she's busy, I will um, tell them, um, you know, uh, up front, I'm not a lawyer, and so for me to give them any kind of legal advice or aid when I'm not licensed is not only, you know, illegal, it's also unethical, so I will do my best at that point to say, you know, let me get you over to um, such and such advocate or just get them over to Stephanie directly as she's the next person um, in line in the system so that she may um, get them in touch with um, the right person because we um, we ourselves cannot provide legal aid. However, we're in touch with a lot of people who can. Um, at the baseline, we can only refer, for example, to legal aid agencies or Virginia Lawyer Referral Service referring to a specific attorney or law firm goes against our agency policy. We, we know from our side of working at DLCV that there's so much information to share, it can get overwhelming and complicated. Just like our callers know that trying to sort out where they can get what they need is also overwhelming and complicated. So I know, you know, sometimes if I'm trying to figure out where to go, it can get really confusing about which services do what and they all kind of have names that sound the same sometimes and you know you're navigating systems and getting you know bounced from place to place and it can be really hard if you think one place does something but they don't especially if you get far into that process before you find out so i'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about um you mentioned we can't give lawyer referrals and you know none we're not lawyers um at least you know those of us we're talking right now um, despite the great legal representation attorneys we have, we can't all do that. So what are some topics or areas that we definitely don't cover that we can send folks, you know, referrals about to other places, but that unfortunately we really just can't get into? Sure. It's unfortunate um, because we don't cover a lot of things. Our federal funding doesn't allow us to, and some of those things are criminal law, family law, civil law. Uh, we don't handle housing. We don't do issues with, um, you know, taxes and disputes and property law and trustees. Those are the areas we don't cover. And it's very unfortunate because 
Agreed. It's always been my impression that by the name of our organization that someone calls us and they're like, there is a disability law center of Virginia. I have a disability. They should be able to help me with any and every issue. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And when that happens, luckily we are able to refer to organizations, as I said, um, Legal Aid, Virginia Lawyer Referral Service, um, Home, otherwise known as Housing Opportunities Made Equal, or Virginia Fair Housing, um, those types of organizations. Um, we refer to Centers for Independent Living oftentimes. Um, I refer to Commonwealth Catholic Charities, you know, diff, diff, we are able to refer to different organizations when we're not able to, to directly assist with the issue. And so Legal Aid, Virginia Lawyer Referral, and the housing organizations are the most common referrals that I say I would give even on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that really speaks to just how much information you all have. You know, you just gave a couple examples of some really nuanced questions and different areas that it can be kind of hard to tell if you're a caller, does this count as this? Does this count as that? Is this yeah. housing? Is it work? And, um, you know, that's, that's really helpful, I think, in showing just how gray some areas can be and, and um, you know, sometimes even unraveling for us what kind of situation we're working with here. So, um, yeah, thank you uh, for following up on that. That's really helpful. But trust me, Lee, there's so much more information out there that I'm unaware of. So if ever I'm unsure and it's kind of on a line of, hmm, I don't know, could be, could not, I always, always screen it just to be on the safe side. We receive so many compliments about how well you speak with clients, how welcome and warm um, they feel when they call in and you all are just experts at so much. You know, I know I work in one area of subject matter, but you all know so much inside and out. And, um, you know, Molly, I've heard you say a couple times that it's all Stephanie, but you, Man, you're amazing, and Stephanie, you're amazing, and um, we appreciate so much what you bring. Um, I know that our clients do as well, and uh, so a big thank you to both of you from everybody inside and out because there, we couldn't do any of the work that we do without you right there at the front line. Thank you for doing everything you do for DLCV, um, being on the forefront and handling all the calls, and I'm just saying, you're amazing, the both of you. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. <laughs> and now, a DLCV highlight. DLCV assisted an older adult who has a long-standing and inoperable brain tumor with establishing a developmental disability diagnosis, thus opening up a new world of services and supports to help them obtain and maintain life in the community. At the outset of our representation, the individual was living at a transitional crisis program, having been sent there after an inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. Because of the individual's advanced age, they did not have access to the typical documentation needed to establish a developmental disability diagnosis, such as special education and childhood medical records. As such, the individual was denied enrollment in Virginia's Developmental Disability Medicaid Waiver. 
DLCV worked closely with the client's case manager and other providers to gather the necessary social history and medical attestations to sufficiently document the age of brain injury onset and related functional limitations. Within a matter of days of supporting the individual's team to better establish the case, our client was approved for a community living Medicaid waiver, the most comprehensive developmental disability waiver available in Virginia. Thank you all for listening to the episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. Follow us on Twitter at Disability Law VA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Laura Sinclair. And I'm Valerie. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now. <laughs>